Welcome to the Pushing Through Loss podcast. I'm your host, Kalila Green Siciliano. In this weekly podcast, we're here to offer support, understanding, and hope to those who have experienced the pain of pregnancy loss. We'll share stories, insights, and expert advice to help you find your inner strength warrior. Let's begin this journey together. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. This is your host, Kalila, with Pushing Through Loss. And of course, we're talking about stories of pregnancy loss, miscarriage, stillbirth, infant death. Um, It's a really hard topic, but I so appreciate that Beth reached out and wanted to discuss her own loss and kind of give an idea as to what happened and hopefully how you ended up really living with the grief in the end and pushing through and kind of living your life following that. So let's start at the beginning and tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I am the mother of two that are here with me and one that is not. And I live in rural Southwest Washington on a little seven acre hobby farm. I am a core fitness specialist. And one of the things I do is help women with their trauma because miscarriage and infant loss really impacts our core. It it impacts how we approach our core, how we use our abs, how our abs respond to things. So I may touch on that a little bit today. Um, but a lot of that stems from my own loss, which was my first pregnancy. Wow. So that it really does. You're when you say that it affects your core, when, even after you have a child, that first thing that you realize is you can't stand up straight all of a sudden and your muscles are all weird, but more so after a loss, cause all of a sudden you're going from not from growing this baby to nothing. So tell me a little bit if if you're comfortable with going back to your loss and then and how it got you into really looking at how it affected your core. Yeah. So my husband and I had been married for four years and we had just started trying for our first baby. And I had no reason to think that anything would go wrong. You know, everything was rainbows and unicorns back then. And I had an OB who loved to do ultrasounds right off the bat. And like he, that was just his standard protocol. But when he went to do the six week ultrasound, just to see if there was a heartbeat and everything, we were all excited. And there was not, there was just a yolk sac. And he said, "Hmm, this isn't quite right. And it doesn't look like things might be developing. Let's send you for some hormone tests and see what's going on. Mm -hmm. So I'm thankful that he was very proactive, but I was gutted. Um, and of course he said, you know, we won't know for sure. Maybe you're just behind. Maybe you're not as far along as we thought, but let's just check. Let's make sure everything's in order. And I went home and just cried. And I think inside, I kind of knew, um, even though my body was doing everything and even though it was still very early, I was already very attached (laughs) and really wanted to be a mom. And I've had people since then kind of discount what I went through, like, oh, you know, maybe it wasn't even a baby yet. And it's like, oh, that's so hard because in my mind and body it was, and it would be another full five weeks before everything would actually be resolved because it ended up being quite a process. My body was sending some really strange signals that the hormone tests came back inconclusive at first. And then I had to go get another ultrasound and it was a lot of waiting. And then in the course of all of that, I started to get really sick. And so then they did another scan and decided that I actually might be going septic and they needed to do a DNC, which was gutting all over again, because 
I still felt like things were inconclusive, even though I was looking at a screen that didn't show a heartbeat and my hormone tests were saying your, your, your levels are going down. Um, to me, it felt like I was going to have an abortion and that, that really threw me for a loop. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, um, I had a very sweet nurse when I arrived for my appointment that day that just hugged me and held me and let me sob on her shoulder for a hot minute and said, you know what? We, we literally don't do those here. We are here just for women's health and support. And I'm so sorry that your baby is gone, but we need to take care of you right now. We need to clear out your body so that you can move on and you're going to be okay. And I know this is hard, but we're here for you. And just that simple set of words, um, it still kind of chokes me up because she was just so compassionate. And since then, I've learned that a lot of women don't get that level of care. A lot of, a lot of people in the medical system are just like, well, it's miscarriage, you know, bye-bye. And I was so blessed to have such a good, terrible experience. (laughs) (laughs) As as good as a bad experience can be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and some, I remember somebody holding my hand as I went under, cause I had to be, I had to be put under. Um, and, and my husband was there when I came out, my, my older sister was there when I came out of it. Um, my little niece made me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Aww. <laughs> that was really sweet. And, um, yeah. And then I spent a lot of time grieving. Um, what was really hard for me was that I didn't know about what the recovery would be like. Nobody really said like to take some time off. And I was a fitness instructor also managing a fitness facility while my boss was on vacation. So I was managing about a thousand members and a staff and personal training and teaching two or three classes a day. And I went right back into that two days later, which was the dumbest thing I can do. Right. But if you had no instruction, you're like, well, I guess I should just continue. Yeah. As a fitness instructor, take it easy means do less squats. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Maybe watch your clients sometimes as opposed to participating for the entire thing. Yeah. It means when you're on the spin bike, go slower and don't lift your hiney out of the seat. It doesn't mean don't do the class. And so, um, thankfully a couple of women at the club that knew what was going on were like, Hey, uh, don't, don't you think maybe? And I, I was, I, that point though, I wanted to push through. I wanted Mm. to just keep moving because it was a way of processing. Um, and at that time I still really had not been trained in postpartum care. This Mm. is one of the big gaps in the medical and fitness communities that a lot of people listening may not be aware of Mm. that really as a certified degreed licensed insurance, I have all the qualifications. I got maybe two paragraphs on postpartum care. Um, I've talked to so many doctors who have got the same amount because mm. they they're focused on medicine and surgery. They're not focused on support and care right. after the surgery, mm. after the birth. So, um, yeah, that that kind of left me reeling for a while, and it would not be for several years after I had my next two children that I would begin to dive in to what it really takes to recover and what had really happened to my body and find some answers and some healing mm-hmm. years later. 
Mm-hmm. It's it's so interesting to me because I think you hit it right on the head when you said it really makes the difference in in just the healing aspect of understanding what happens and nobody talks about that and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast because even same thing when I went through it I had had four healthy pregnancies at that point so it was one mm-hmm. of those where I I had no idea what to do and I was I was very well versed in postpartum care but they sent me home with a packet and thank god I also had an incredible nurse um so I I completely chalk up the best of my worst experience to her that she she <laughs> held my hand she let me cry but the yeah. same thing that like I didn't know if I needed to go back to my doctor I didn't know what was normal what was not normal all of those questions were like okay so now what Mm-hmm. So yeah. how did you get to the point you said after your two kids were born, you finally got to that point of saying, okay, now that I have two living children, what sort of was that switch that you said, now I have to figure out how to not only help myself, but to be able to help other women. Well, my son was about two years old when I started fit to be, which is my online family-friendly workout website. And we started filming workouts. And as I started building my clientele, there was a common theme emerging from my, my members. They began asking for something I didn't know how to provide really. And that was help for their abdominal gaps, help for their pelvic floor. And I really just wanted to, you know, do yoga and Pilates and squats and (laughs) dance aerobics. And I was like, I'm not going there, but it kept coming up. And I started to realize that I had some unresolved issues that I had bought into that stupid lie that says that having a poochie tummy after you've had a baby that doesn't work anymore is totally normal. And peeing your pants is totally normal. And (laughs) I started doing some research on my own and, and started digging in on my own and stopped just assuming that I had been taught everything. Cause I really thought I had, I had a degree. I had all these certifications. I was like, what is there to know? Right, you you know? don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Let's just work out, right. you know? And, um, I connected with a lady named Kelly Dean from the tummy team. She's amazing. She's also in the online space and she had been through six miscarriages And, um, further along than me, horrific, horrific, uh, story, but also a lot of redemption in her story as she was a neuromuscular physical therapist for stroke victims who took what she knew and applied it to rehabbing her own core and then started creating a standardized program to help other women again, from her angle of grief and loss and that disconnect that happens, there's this shutdown that occurs. And that really resonated with me. So I reached out to her and found out she was actually local to me. I was like, what? So we got together at an Ikea of all places (laughs) and shut that place down that night. Like they were like, you got, you ladies got to leave. We were like, you have beds. It's fine. I know. I was like, we're, we're talking about our abs. We're doing tummy (laughs) checks. They're like, what? Sorry, you need to leave. (laughs) And we connected and learned from each other a lot. And I began really specializing. I decided to take that big step of specializing in the core and diastases and pelvic floor and abdominal disconnect because nobody seemed to be doing that. Now there are a few more people that do that. Um, But the reality is that 
they say, you know, one in four women has had a loss. I think it's actually a lot higher. It is. So the statistic has actually changed. It's one in four pregnancies. Okay. Okay. And it's such a subtle difference in words, but the difference in, in terms of reality makes, makes a world of difference. I mean, because yeah. I myself have had one in four. I mean, I had four pregnancies and then on my fifth one, I ended yeah. up with a loss. So it's, yeah. and yes, I was one in three. So we balance each other out. <laughs> yeah. So it's not one in four women. It's literally everybody has gone through it or everybody knows someone who's gone through it. Yeah. Ugh. mine, I don't, I don't know if, if everybody always has the answer, but we were able to trace mine to low progesterone. Oh, interesting. Because my my hormones came back all wonky in the progesterone department. And then when mm. I got pregnant again, I had been instructed to get your butt in here and get a hormone test as soon as you suspect you're pregnant, just in case this is a factor again, Right. because low progesterone plays into miscarriage. And I've learned since then that that test is not always standard. And a lot of women go on to have a lot of miscarriages because nobody's testing their progesterone levels. Yep. And sure enough, this was my daughter. We went in, I was five weeks along they found a heartbeat. It was so cool to see that little, that little rice sized grain bloop, 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 yep. bloop, jumping up and down. And they're like, okay, this has to be about five weeks and three days. Cause that's when the heart starts beating Nice, because I didn't think I was that far along. And so then they just pegged it and she arrived on the due date set by that ultrasound. Wow. So that was really cool. Um, but I, I have my hormones checked and they're like, Whoa, you're way low. We're putting you on progesterone right now. I had to take it through my first trimester again with my next pregnancy, my son, again, it was very low and I had to go on progesterone again. So I, I feel very fortunate and blessed and watched over and protected that that was detected. Mm. Um, I hate that. I, I had to lose one to learn that, Mm. um, but that was also something down the line that I ended up passing on to clients and saying, mm-hmm. Hey, this is something to get checked. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting because like you said, from the time you even have that inkling that, you know, you're pregnant, you already start to imagine this whole world with this baby, with this then, you know, little tiny person and then teenager yes. and adult. And what is your life going to look like? And so when you go in for that first checkup, whether it's at four weeks, five weeks or six weeks, you might've just found out two weeks before, but your whole world has been changed yeah. in those two weeks. And, and to go through after your first time of trying to really protect this baby and, and still having to wait until 11 weeks, it's just heart wrenching because you've got that. Yeah. I I think something is okay, but I'm, my gut's telling me it's not. And the doctor says they're not sure. And I have no mm-hmm. idea is the baby. I mean, I'm still pregnant and nothing's happening. So yeah. am I still pregnant? And there's no way to know. Yeah. And I was still swelling. My breasts were tender. My right. hormone, my, my mood was all over the place. And it's such right. a mind melter too, because you, you know, you think something's wrong, but maybe it's not wrong. Maybe everything's fine, but it's probably not fine. And the right. doctor and the tests and the more tests and the ultrasounds not for three more days. And ah, right. it was the hardest thing to this day. I still have ever been through. Yeah. Um, and I've been through some really awful things <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that loss rocked my world. It rocked my, my faith. It rocked my belief in myself. It rocked my marriage. It rocked everything, everything. I had to go back to the drawing board and rebuild. 
like from the ground up is what it felt like. And that took me about six months before I was even willing to even talk about trying again. Like like the factory is closed. Like (laughs) do not enter. I am not ever doing that ever again. And my heart goes out to people that are brave enough to keep going in the face of multiple losses. Yeah. And and I'm here to say too, um, just having, having another baby, um, it it eased the ache, but I will always miss that one. Yeah. And and I, I had the realization after being really mad at my husband for being done with having kids and I didn't feel done that I probably will never feel done because I will always be missing that additional baby. Mm Mm-hmm that there will always be this sense of I'm not complete. I'm not complete. I'm not done right? because that wasn't complete. Right. And it's, it's hard to think that they were here for a reason because the, their time here was so short, but it's amazing mm-hmm. what you've then learned and what you've then been able to accomplish because you found out that you had low progesterone. The fact that your other two kids are here is a miracle. And the fact that you were then able to help so many other women is also a miracle. And it, it doesn't ease the pain at all, but it still says this baby's life had a reason. Yeah, it definitely gives it a purpose. And I, and I would say it eases it some, you know, it, there was a time when I, I couldn't go a day or even an hour. Um, and having another child did help mm. with that, obviously, but for me, um, but again, there's always like right around that same time of year when I found out I was pregnant. Um, and when I had the DNC surgery like the month of May, that's a hard month. And and it's funny because I'll be having a really off day and then I'll, I keep journals mm. and so something will pull up that'll remind me. It's like, Oh, the body keeps the score. Yeah, There's that book. And it's so true. Yeah. So true. I want to ask you a question about something you had said, because when you were going through recovery, you said that there was a few ladies at the gym who knew that you had gone through a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. What made you either decide to tell people or decide not to tell other people at the beginning? Hmm. Well, I had built really close relationships with several clients. And so as soon as I found out I was pregnant, I was like, oh, pregnant, you know, yay, yay, yay. And so, and then it just felt natural to me to tell them kind of as the whole thing played out over the course of weeks, you know, they would, they came to the gym three or four times a week and they'd be like, Hey, honey, how's, oh, you don't look so good. And they were the type of people that I trusted. They were, Mm. they were a little older than me. I mean, at the time I was what, 25 (laughs) and they were like in their forties and fifties, just sweet ladies that had been there, done that. And they weren't going to take a, I'm fine (laughs) because they could tell and they had good advice. And I ended up making this little notebook with a lot of the emails and messages I got from people in my circle at the time, just encouraging me. Um, and it helped me to have that. And I still have it. I have it with my little positive pregnancy tests and I have it with a little blanket that somebody had already made me and all kind of tucked into a drawer. I mean, and that was 19 years ago Mm. at this point. Right. I, and I, I still feel it. I still feel those same sensations. I can still go right back to that operating room. I can still go right back to that doctor's office with that nurse crying on her shoulder. I can go right back to that lady leaning over the counter at the club, putting her hand on my shoulder. Um, cause it was so emotional and emotional traumatic times hardwire those memories. Mm-hmm. Those don't go away. No. Yeah. Would, 
would you say that building that support system was probably more helpful in that respect? Yes, but I was more hesitant the next time I got pregnant to tell people right away because mm. um, I was scared. Mm. You know, I was, I told a few people, but I didn't broadcast it as widely mm. until I was about 12 weeks along. Then I made a big old huge bulletin board and I did like <laughs> weekly updates. I am not kidding. I did weekly updates of like what the, what's going on with the baby, what's going on with me, what class, because I was still teaching classes and I was like, I'm just going to bring everybody along for the ride. Yeah. I mean, at that point, if they're going to see you getting bigger, you might as well welcome it. Yeah. I was like, and hopefully nothing goes wrong this time because it's just all out there. And we actually had a lot of great feedback about that from people. We only had one person complain. And that's because that person had gone through a trauma and she was very angry that I was sharing it. And when she wrote in, I wrote back and I said, I get it. I've actually been where you are and I'm so sorry. And I'm here to talk to you. Um, I'm not doing this lightly. This is actually part of my healing journey and I'm sorry. It's so triggering for you. Um, but maybe I can help you because I've been where you are. And that turned the whole conversation around once she realized that I had experienced a loss just like her. Right. Right. It's definitely one where you can't, you can't ever put yourself in someone else's shoes, obviously, Mm -hmm. but knowing that you could then relate to her and know that she was coming to you from a place of really deep hurt and you being able to say like, look, I I was there. I know exactly what you're going through. It just, I'm sure for her, it was like, oh, first of all, it could give her a glimmer of hope to say, okay, my, my life could turn around and I could have a healthy pregnancy. And, and maybe also to give you some support and say, well, I might not be able to get pregnant right this second, but at least I can help someone else. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of, missing in some of our well-meaning efforts to not trigger people and to not offend people and not hurt people. Cause my boss was like, do you think maybe you should take the bulletin board down? And I was like, hold up. I actually want to talk to her because we can't go to where we just take down all of our joy because another person is hurting. Um, the world needs joy. It needs hope. It needs celebration. I said, but the missing piece is that connection. She mm. needed somebody to connect with her. Right. I think just being sensitive as we are broadcasting the good news when it does happen, mm-hmm. letting people know, Hey, by the way, if you are struggling right now, I want you to know I've actually been there right. and I'm here to talk if you need it. And that softens it. Um, And I can say that because I've been on both sides Mm. and I do think there's a spectrum. Again, I want to be sensitive to the fact that my one miscarriage really doesn't equate the same level of grief as multiple losses or women that have actually held a baby that has then passed. That is another level or 2000 levels of trauma. And that makes it harder. For sure. Yeah. And it's hard to, to equate any of it because your grief is different than somebody else's. And for example, I have a good friend who had an ectopic pregnancy and she went through the same sort of grief as well. And it it's, and and in my head, before I met her, I thought, how could anybody feel the same way if they had an early loss? And then I was like, no, that's a ridiculous thought because the baby's the baby. And whenever you feel connected to that child, that's when you feel connected. And whenever the loss is that's how you get affected. It it doesn't matter if it's ectopic or if it's, mm-hmm. you know, right at the due date, either yeah. way, 
your, yeah. your grief is real and your grief yeah. makes sense and there's no normal for it. Mm-mm. And hormones be hormones. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the thing is there's, there's the rational and logic side of our brains, but when we are pregnant, there's also all those hormones. Yes. And those hormones don't play. And they don't go away right away. Just because you've either given right. birth to a live baby or you've had a loss, those hormones are still there. Yeah. And they, I think, play the biggest card on the table. Yeah. Did your husband react or or have the similar sorts of grief that you had? Um, he did. He's a bit of a robot, which I think a lot of guys can come across like, you know, not all. Um, and I don't think that showing emotion is unmanly. My husband does show emotion sometimes, but, um, my memories of him are mostly of him just holding me and patting my back. Like <laughs> the poor guy did not know what to do. <laughs> Um, I, I really would have hated to be in his shoe. I mean, I was a mess. Right. Um, yeah. And I don't think that they can process it the same. Um, because the hormones are different. Right. I think that he was sad and I remember him shedding some tears, but he was not on the same hormonal roller coaster combined with sore boobs, combined with bleeding for weeks after my surgery, combined with all the things, but he did his best. He brought me snacks, gave me food, took, you know, I'd be, I had to tell him what I needed. He couldn't read my mind. (laughs) At least he was helpful. Um, I really, right. We would love for our spouses to read our minds. They are just never going to do that. No. Um, I'm 22 years of marriage and with this guy and he still doesn't, I have to tell him exactly. (laughs) It gives me hope because we just passed 13. So I'm like, good. At least somebody else is in the same boat. Oh yeah. You just got to spell it out. Yeah. Um, so it was different for him. You know, studies show that when men find out males, when males find out that their spouse or their partner is going to have their child, usually they experience, um, a, a elevation in cortisol mm. and serotonin mm. and some of those other happy hormones. Um, and that's that, that cortisol is that protective papa bear fight or flight. Let's do this. This is my kid. You right, know, ready to protect um, everything. Yeah. And their testosterone also goes up a little bit, but it mm. kind of, it also sometimes and sometimes goes down because mm. they, um, they kind of get a nesting effect too. You right. know, kind they of kind of tend to match your hormones because, because your hormone levels are so high that there's tend to go with yours, especially mm-hmm. later on through the pregnancy. It's, it's fascinating. And, and that's a whole other fun conversation. So, you know, just being mindful of whoever your partner is, whoever your spouse is like they're there, but, but it is different right. and that's okay. Yeah. Cause and like everybody you said, processes even, it differently. even woman to woman, the experience is different. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you remember besides obviously jumping right back into work and saying, I'm going to do this and I'm going to push through, <laughs> what were some of the other things that helped you before you got pregnant with your daughter to then be able to sort of move through daily life? Um, I was part of a small group of women. It was actually a Bible study that I was in. And I, I understand not everybody here is religious, but, um, those girls were all my same age at the time. 
Mm. And a couple more of them got pregnant. And one of them also had a miscarriage. And as I helped her through that, that Mm. was somehow really healing for me to be able to be there for her. Mm. And I think that was also a piece of my journey to realizing that people's experiences are different. Mm. And as women, being able to talk through our experiences with somebody else who's now going through it can be really healing for both of us. Mm. Um, and she and I became best friends through that journey. Um, cause nobody else in our group really knew how to be there for her. Right. And, and then she and I went on to actually get pregnant again, both about the same time and had our, had our first babies a week and a half apart. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and our kids are still buddies. They, they That's awesome. message each other. It cracks me up. Um, I had, you know, some people at church that, that brought meals. I didn't broadcast it, but suddenly, you know, Rosa showed up on the doorstep with a note from a woman that I barely knew, but said, I've been through what you've been through. I just want you to know if you need anything, I'm here. Here's a gift card to this local restaurant. And, um, you know, my, my sister was the one who had picked me up and she continued to check on me um, mm. for several months. And just, she had been through what I'd been through herself. And I, so I really think that was the biggest part of it for me was I, even if I wanted to go it alone, which I kind of did <laughs> like, leave me alone, go away. I don't want to talk just, about this. Just let me sit in bed. There were people in my life that cared about me enough to not leave me alone mm. and to check on me and make sure I was okay. Cause my mental health really took a hit too. I mean, I wouldn't say I was suicidal, but I definitely had moments where I just wanted out. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to go be somewhere else or be someone else or just, I don't know. I just right. it's like that was, feeling of wanting to crawl out of your own body. Yeah. Or crawl into a hole. Right. And, and it was just also heavy. Yeah. So going through the motions at first, but then sticking to my commitments and accepting support where it was offered, putting one foot in front of the other is what got me through. Mm. And eventually I was ready to try again. Mm. It wasn't the same. It wasn't as exciting. It, 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 it's nerve wracking the second time. Yeah, it really was. But then, then with my, my third pregnancy, which was my son, it was a lot more like, okay, let's do this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's good um, that you already had the the understanding that you had low progesterone to be like, okay, yes. we need to look out for this. So I'm on it. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also had a better grasp of, um, even though I shouldn't have exercised as much right off the bat, how, how nourishing that really was, but to do it differently. And so I felt better prepared. I, I felt like I had more tools in my toolbox in case it did happen again. Mm a lot more hindsight, which gave me better foresight. (laughs) So I don't, I felt like I wouldn't be as sideswiped as I was the first time. Right. Um, which helped me to go into trying for that next baby with more bravery and courage. Mm. And that made a big difference. Yeah. Knowledge is power. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So if you could tell me some things that you either wished you had had or something that you have found since in, in creating this whole fab fit and core (laughs) specialty and, and 
really helping other moms, what would that be? Mm. One thing that's tangible that I, I really wish they would instantly give to new moms, as well as moms that are experiencing loss and miscarriage is an abdominal splint. Oh, interesting. <laughs> that might seem random, but, um, many cultures practice belly wrapping, belly right. binding. It's not the same as a corset, not talking about a waist trainer, um, but therapeutic grade abdominal wraps help to stabilize the core, which stabilizes our emotions. Mm. And it's something I recommend for all early postpartum moms, but especially if you've had a miscarriage or a loss, because it feels like a hug around your tummy and it helps to support those organs, whether you were a few weeks along or a lot of weeks along, mm. it's going to help those muscles reapproximate and help you feel a little bit less noodly and wobbly and out there and disconnected. Mm. And you're not going to wear it forever. And you're probably going to want to take it off and throw it across the room a few times. And that's how you can do that. <laughs> you can do that. When you feel like taking it off, take it off. But I have put it on countless women and watched them just go, oh, like they just take this big breath and like, oh, and they can relax. Instead of trying mm. to literally trying to hold themselves together, which is right. the job of your core muscles. Right. Your core is your God-given corset. It's your, it's your nature's girdle. And when, when you have been through trauma, um, if you've been through surgery, if you've been through miscarriage, if you've been through C-section, if you've been through a, a difficult birth or just birth, birth is hard no matter what, um, it can really help your abs to come back off vacation and start doing their job again. Kind of like you would wrap a strained ankle, you know, right. just give a little support. It's done some hard work and it's a little injured right now. So let's take care of it. I have to say, yeah. I wish we had like 20 more minutes so I could go into more <laughs> that fun, exactly how that works. Cause that whole idea fascinates me. Yeah. And then I never was... thought of it like that. Like you, you sprained mm -hmm. your ankle when you're pregnant and you've either gone through labor and delivery or you've gone through a loss, your muscles are literally that they're sprained. They're, they're yeah. stretched out to their max yeah. capacity. Yep. Definitely. That's and such a good way to look at it. Those nourishing movements. And, and I, a few years back, finally made a course with a few other professionals with some specific gentle exercises. And we actually have something called the grief recovery routine. And we'll link that in the show notes. Make Thank sure you guys you. get That's that. It's beautiful. free and open access. We filmed that with Kelly from the tummy team, who I mentioned right. earlier in the show, because she's been through a lot and, and she's a physical therapist. So we collaborated and created that with specific motions. Um, and I also want to give a shout out to this book called the wild edge of sorrow. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of it, but this is, this really informed, um, my journey of creating mm -hmm. what I call, it's called moving through miscarriage and infant loss. And it's a course that, um, helps women with some movements to process grief. I think we mm -hmm. sit still a little too much in our culture. Yeah. And there's a lot to be said for not like hard exercise, but just some movement. There are some specific movements that tell the brain to reroute and to right. calm down and to process things. I, I wish I had found you right after I had had my loss. Cause I feel like I would have had a whole different journey following, but mm -hmm. everything happens for a reason. So yes, I appreciate yes. finding you now. Um, please tell everybody where they can find you. I am at fit to be.com F I T the number two, the letter B.com. And I'm also on Instagram at fit to be studio 
and on Facebook, Fit to Be Tummy Safe Fitness, where we specialize in core aware, diastasis aware, pelvic friendly workouts. Amazing. Well, thank you so, so much. I I really appreciate everything. I appreciate the fact that you were willing to share and that you've created this whole other experience for women who have gone through loss and, and for women who haven't gone. Thank you for joining me today on Pushing Through Loss. I hope this episode has provided support, understanding, and a sense of community for those who have experienced pregnancy loss. Remember, you are not alone in your journey, and there is strength within you to face the challenges that come your way. If you found value in today's episode, please consider sharing it with others who may benefit. Together, we can help each other heal and activate our inner strength warriors. Stay tuned for more empowering conversations, and until next time, you got this.